This is a conversation with Robert Hilton. Hi, Bob. Hi, Serge. So how did you get into this kind of therapy? Well, I, I began um, in my professional career as a minister, and I was using more Carl Rogers and his approach. Um, but I found out that there was something else missing, something about the body. That, uh, In fact, at one time I was struggling with the... Uh, internal experiences of our body, our sexuality, our anger, and I couldn't find a place for this uh, within the theological context that I was living in. So I began uh, seeking out a way to understand more basic human nature and and what are the drives and needs of that we have. And I began teaching um, in a theological seminary and getting my doctor's degree in, in counseling. Um, during that process, uh, this was in 1962 when uh, Esalen was started, 1964, I went to a Gestalt workshop at, at Esalen, and that was the beginning of the end or the end of the beginning. It was the time when, you know, the, the theme was, uh, you know, lose your mind and come to your senses. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, with all of the... Uh, contact and the therapeutic approach that was there, um, uh, I touched uh, during that week of seminars a deep, deep sadness in me, an overwhelming grief uh, that I had never touched before. And uh, I was uh, it was a very profound experience. But I found there with the people who were there that they welcomed this and very open for physical contact and hugging and connection and uh, I felt like somehow I had a new born again experience <laughs> that was different from the religious one. Yeah. <laughs> so being part of this humanistic uh, thread, I came back to the seminary and introduced to these newfound humanistic techniques of contact and relationship uh, to the students and teaching counseling. Well, the students were very happy with it. The faculty, not so happy. Um, but I also found out that within um, a few months that this high did not last. And uh, I dropped into a very deep depressive state. Um, that depressive state uh, led to some significant changes in my life. Uh, it meant the end of a marriage, the end of being a professor, um, the end of... Um, uh, what I was what I was doing in terms of the ministry, um, and I found myself pretty much uh, afloat, as it were, adrift, trying to integrate this profound experience I had in my body at Esalen and the reality now of this depressive state. I began teach, uh, having a counseling career uh, at the uh, Institute of Therapeutic Psychology in Santa Ana. Uh, when the director of this institute invited a person to come and talk about what he was doing in therapy. And this man was Harold Streitfeld, and he was doing what he called bioenergetic analysis. So we asked him if he could demonstrate this in our group that I was a part of. Well, he looked around the room, and he saw me, and he said, "Um, you look pretty depressed. Uh, Let me demonstrate with you. And so I stood up and came over, and he said, now, put your fists in your back and have a bow position. 
So this will create vibrations in your body. So I said, okay. Uh, so I was doing that for a little bit. Then he had me lie down on the floor and uh, keep my head still, but just move my eyes around the room. I did, and lo and behold, out came this deep sadness again that had been buried inside. And I was overwhelmed by the crying. Only this time, uh, as I looked around the room, my uh, colleagues had stood up from their chairs and came and formed a circle around me looking at this phenomenon of me overwhelmed in this state of crying. Um, they then represented to me parents that wouldn't pick me up, and I was in a crib. So I realized that I was regressed very deeply, but also very present. But this time an immense rage came out, the anger that nobody was paying attention to me. And I had never, I didn't know I had any kind of rage like that or anger. So when this session was over, uh, I realized that I had touched something very, very deep in myself, a kind of inner voice that said, this is a trauma you experienced as a child, and all of your depression and anxiety is based around that trauma. This is a core experience of your being. And I got up and came to this Harold Steifeld and said, uh, I need more of this. <laughs> I need help. And he said, well, I'm just here on vacation. You know, I, I'm not here to do therapy. Well, where can I find help? So he said, Alexander Lowen was uh, providing seminars and teaching bioenergetic analysis. And where was he teaching it? At Esalen. <laughs> so I went back there in 1968 and began my journey in, uh, in bioenergetics. And so that's a, that's a beautiful story. Uh, and it illustrates among many other things, how uh, this was a personal integration, something that uh, it's not, you know, you didn't come to this from a sense of theory, but it's something where you experienced in your body and in your emotions and uh, your approach to life, a very strong need. You found something and integrated that, that uh, you know, found a way to integrate that experience. It was a big question mark. It was calling for, you know, questions that you went then to explore. That's right. It, it was the, uh, I'm glad you expressed it in that way. It wasn't a theory. Um, it was a very visceral, organismic experience, so I knew it was true. I, 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 it wasn't something I could make up or figure out in my mind, my head. Uh, it was very real. But I realized that it touched something that I was unable to integrate totally because after having that experience, then I had all this anger, then I had depression, and so then I went to find some way to integrate this through bioenergetic analysis mm -hmm. and began the, the process there of understanding what it was I needed. Um, the good news was that they knew in bioenergetics what that experience was about. They could read in my body uh, the fear. They could read in my body the deep longing and sadness that I had. Um, they realized the uh, the beginnings of how this happened in terms of the neglect or lack of contact as a child. But they had a theory which said that all of this could be taken care of or released 
if I could release the tension around my early longings, allow myself to cry, allow myself to grieve the loss, that this then would bring me back to a unified self, mm-hmm. a self that would be sexual and alive and present. And so they saw me as an organism from Reich, you know, kind of a worm that moved in that certain blocks got produced inhibitions in my being. If we could reduce the blocks and allow the energy to flow through, I would be whole. I would have a self. I would be uh, integrated. So that was the, the, the theory, which is you are your body, and the body is the self, so if we open up the blocks that block you from experiencing your body, you will have a self, and you will be integrated. And of course, when you describe it this way, you imply what's missing, <laughs> right. is that there is an isolation, <laughs> Yes, you know, as opposed to the self-existing in relationship. That's, that, there you go. <laughs> exactly right, Serge. You're, you're, you're a good therapist, I can tell. <laughs> so that was, so I followed that, and what would happen is that my trainers, particularly Al Lohan, um, was very contactful, uh, in his approach. That is, he would recognize the initial loss that I had. He could, um, put his fists against my jaws to open up a sucking reflex. He could have put his fingers under my eyes and open up the tear that was connected with my early abandonment. And then he could provide himself as a person. Um, he would say, you're afraid to touch me, aren't you? And I would touch his face. And uh, he was very tender in those moments and would hold me. And uh, I remember I felt like the little duck in this children's story, are you my mommy? Are you mm-hmm. my <laughs> and it was a, a very deep organismic kind of attachment. I mean, to this day, I can feel, you know, the touch of his hands, the smell, the connection with him. Uh, so what, what happened is I developed a very strong idealized transference with him. But the good news was I was able to make that attachment. The bad news was the bioenergetic theory and experience didn't have a place for him to follow through with that attachment. That is, the attachment was still seen as a repression of my oral anger, and he was not a, he wasn't able to follow me through the stages of connection and individuation. He was always trying to preempt the contact by expressing the anger that was underneath the loving attachment. Um, and of course, can we, can we stay with this a little longer? It's just um, you're saying to preempt the contact by expressing the attachment. I think that it's an experience that a lot of people who have gone through some forms of bioenergetics and core energetics therapy have experienced with. And maybe we could stay with this a little longer to, uh, you know, sure. loosen that a little bit. Sure. Um, what? What would happen, you see, from, from, from Lohan's experience with Reich, Reich began sessions with, uh, expressing the anger and he was very suspicious of any kind of positive transference that was really hiding an underlying 
resentment. And so he would try to help you express that. Um, but what he, what's really happening is that it's not just transference, but the love of the person, the child's love of the, of the connection and of the, of the relationship to the therapist is often frustrated and not accepted and not allowed to develop slowly because it isn't in the theory that the healing is in the relationship. The theory is that the healing is inside you, inside the release of the tension in the body, and that the relationship as a potential affect regulation is not seen or valued at that time, you see. Plus, the counter-transference issues of the therapist and their attachments were never studied. Um, the counter-transference was seen as, a, as an inhibiting force, as something that was... Um, keeping the truth of the relationship from coming into uh, full flower so that the, the therapist wasn't a person who was ex- being impacted by you as a client and expressing that impact. Um, I had a client recently, no, not recently, it was several years ago, said um, he was also a therapist. Uh, he told me, he said, Bob, your job is to teach me how to love you and then to let me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, the, uh, and what happens, with, you know, with gunship is a favorite of mine, you know, is that the therapist's love really is a healing force, but as it's, but it's not an, it's not an attachment that starts off as an attachment often as a child, but then you have to walk through those steps of the, of the anger and the fear and, um, you provide a, a holding ground, you know, like Winnicott and others have talked about, for this relationship. And as you have, as you hold that ground, that something happens inside the body of the client because he is not your child and you are separate. But as he allows this love and connection to take place, other movements take place inside, which then you open to receive and to respond to the anger, the resentments, the fears, until he can tolerate living in his body of loving and being separate at the same time. So well, that that, he, that's, a, that's a very powerful way of um, adding what was missing, that, yes. that, uh, that observing the body and working on the body uh, that you had described in the prior work. Uh, what's important is that it happens in a context of a relationship, which is uh, a recreating a loving relationship, uh, and it's about observing what happens experientially, bodily, uh, as this healing attachment takes place. Exactly. That's exactly right, sir. So if someone has this very powerful um, attachment to me, a transference attachment, and I will say, how do you experience that in your body? Can you kind of close your eyes and feel that in your chest or wherever you feel it? Now, can you allow that feeling inside of how important I am to you to begin to surface? Can you let me see it in your eyes? Can you let yourself feel that in my presence? And as they start to embody that feeling, as they begin to experience it and look at me, then all the fear comes up about this kind of connection. And the sadness comes up of what they never had in their life. And the anger comes up that they can't take me home with them. Mm-hmm. 
and we bring them back to living the loving experience, embodying that loving experience that was so cut off and thwarted as a child. When you embody the attachment and embody the transference, then you're not following an illusion, but you're actually helping the person to live through what Winnicott would say, a trauma or a death that happened that they couldn't live through before. So, Bob, a few minutes ago, in describing your work with Al Lowen, you described how attached you became to him. And let's just for a moment imagine that Al had asked you, what is it like for you at this moment Mm -hmm. to feel in your body what's happening of your attachment with me? Well, uh, it's interesting you brought that up because I, I read somewhere, Serge, in, in Object Relations that the therapist is to slightly idealize the patient. And by that they mean the therapist communicates to the patient, I am, you have certain needs of me in terms in your healing process. I'd like to be a usable object to you. I'd like to be able to provide the kind of contact you need in order to feel loving and connected. And uh, somehow maybe I have missed that. Could you tell me how I might be more... (laughs) 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 You're starting (laughs) the same rocking laughter right now that I had when I said, oh, my God, were one of my therapists or trainers to have said that to me, to have gone out of their own position you know, they were holding and actually invited me. I mean, first of all, I started to laugh, Serge, mm-hmm. like you did, and then I started to cry. Yeah. Then I started to cry. I feel, I feel tears in my eyes as you're talking right now about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. It's like, oh, my God. <sighs> so yeah. what happened? since they weren't able to because my parents weren't, and I'm not blaming them or angry at them because of that. What happens is, uh, like any child, uh, and and Freud talks about this, identification is a form of uh, developing a sense of self. I became their students. I became the favorite student. I memorized their system. I became an advocate of the program (laughs) because it's a... uh, it's a form of attachment. So when the real human connection is not available, then as any child, you find, okay, how can I be special with you? How can I get your attention? Mm. How can I uh, be someone that you could be proud of? You know. And so I became a very good boy and a very good biodegenic therapist. <laughs> 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 but uh, what happened is after a few years of that, I went through another uh, divorce and another deep depressive state mm-hmm. where they touched some deep suicidal feelings and um, terrible anxieties. And I realized uh, that the deep core issue uh, of connection and working through my anger and contact had not been resolved. And I needed, I needed something else. Um, and what happened was that I found a woman therapist who did uh, followed uh, Gerda Boyesen's um, biodynamic work, 
and it wasn't just the uh, the massage and the stethoscope and the, but I found I needed some kind of body therapy that began from the inside out that wasn't coming from the outside in yeah that my ego defenses were so strong and my rationalization so powerful that I needed and I needed a particular kind of contact so when I touched the depth of that pain in me again that same overwhelming sadness um, and the woman therapist uh, connected to me and, and moved toward me at that point um, it was a different kind of connection and when I said to her later uh, would it make any difference to you if I didn't make it, if I didn't, you know, if I did myself in in some way. And she just looked at me. She didn't say a word, but she just looked at me with such a look that she, I sensed how sad she felt that I had to ask that kind of question. Mm-hmm. I felt a deep pain in her, but she didn't say anything. But I could feel in my body the deep, caring connection that she had for me. Yeah. And that penetrated something. Yeah. That, yeah. that penetrated something like that. And I remember one comment that Al, you know, Al did all kinds of work with me, you know, opening my breathing and reaching and very powerful work. But I just remember one comment that he made uh, one time when I was sitting on the floor having gone through this deep grieving is, Bob, this never should have happened to you. And that one comment I carry with me. <laughs> mm. It was a, it was a, a heartfelt connection. So I think at times, I, at times I could really feel his heart there. But with his own personality and theory, uh, we didn't build on that. We didn't carry that connection as part of the healing process. Yeah, yeah, and so the, the as you as you relate how uh, you know that moment stays with you. There yeah, is well, a, that- there is a sense of how precious it was, and just uh, that in a way becomes you know uh, as we talked about before that you know what you're doing is integrating that experience is a right. sense of putting into your practice a sense of what has been really important to you, and not just make it something that happens at random. But just find that's a more exactly, systematic way to use it. That's exactly right, Serge. Yes. And so it's it's the uh, this relational connection is there no matter what kind of therapy that you're doing. Sometimes um, you're doing a therapy that's just dealing with a uh, shock trauma, and sometimes it's more developmental. In preparation for talking with you, Serge, I I listened to your interview with uh, Peter Levine, and I know Peter. I didn't listen to all of it, but at one point he, he talks about having been hit by this automobile and he was thrown on the ground and he knew that he had to like let the shock process take place inside of himself. And a woman, pediatrician, was happened to be in the area, came over and said, um, can I help you? So Peter says, while I'm lying there, having been thrown off the hood of this car, the, um, he said, I need two things. I need you to touch me, and I need your voice to talk to me. And he said, with those two things, like a mother talking to a child, I was able then to pay attention to my body and to be in touch with what my body needed to do in terms of releasing the trauma through the shaking and vibrations. 
So I needed physical touch, and I needed the voice mm-hmm. of this person that connected. So that's how a child does that. But I work with people, including myself, who didn't have that experience as a child, that soothing of the voice and the contact, so that having the voice and the contact could become traumas in themselves. Mm. And it's resolving that connecting and the fear of allowing soothing to take place in order to pay attention to your body so that you can release (laughs) the trauma that's there. That's the aspect um, of the relationship, not only for those who are able to utilize that, but for those people like myself who could not utilize that soothing because the con- the first time I contacted my therapist, my woman therapist, and uh, looked at her and actually made our relationship real, I began to scream. Mm-hmm. I was terrified at moving out into and linking up with another person yeah. as a source of soothing. And so that's where I work a lot with people around that. And a, a great book on that is uh, Cowshed's book, The Inner World of Trauma, and uh, on how the fear of, of linking up with another person to allow that kind of soothing to take place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, Winnicott talks about babies um, who can tolerate or can keep the imago of the mother, the presence of the mother, for X number of minutes, then it begins to fade. But if the mother comes in a good enough time, um, then he's able to restore himself. Um, but if the mother doesn't come in a good enough time, then the baby's traumatized. And uh, he says that these babies... This means that the majority of children do not carry around with them for life the knowledge from experience of having been mad. This is, these are babies who are left too long. Madness here simply means a breakup of whatever may exist at the time of a personal continuity of existence. After recovery, quote-unquote, from XYZ deprivation, a baby has to start again permanently deprived of the root which could provide continuity with the personal beginning. He has to deprive, permanently deprived of the root which could provide continuity with the personal beginning. And I challenge that. That root, I feel, is the human heart and the capacity to be touched and receive. And I think that there's always an opening there. And when I interviewed Dan Siegel at our conference in October and asked him about that, he said, well, there may be those people who simply are unable to integrate that contact in their brain, but we must always act as if that's possible. We must always act as if that's possible. And so my emphasis is that this is very much an integrative an integration of mind and body. And our sense of self is very uniquely connected to the integration of that. But we need a relationship in order to do what Winnicott said, the child's task is to inhabit its body, to help people live an inhabited life. And the recovery of that, I think, is in the heart. But that's very, that heart expression comes through the eyes, comes through the mouth, comes through the arms, 
the arms are part of the heart uh, in reaching. In fact, embryonically speaking, the arms develop out of the heart muscle. You have heart attacks, you feel it in your arms. So it's a very embodied experience of love. It's, it's not a theory. It's not an emotion that's just, just by itself. And that love also includes uh, sexuality and one's whole being. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the direction that I... I... I find myself moved as I hear you say these last few words. And um, there is something um, about it that is uh, a summation of the experience and a summation of the quest. Mm. And um, I, in a way, as we started talking, you mentioned that you had started uh, with a preoccupation with religion, teaching, minister, um, and then found you know, body-oriented psychotherapy. But it seems that at the same time as you were reading that quote and describing your position, there is also some profound statement about who we are and our place in the universe. And is not just about therapy, but in a way connecting to that sense of, uh, you know, more, uh, a larger sense of who we are. That's part of the healing. Absolutely. And when, when I touch this part in another person, Serge, I think as any therapist does, I, I feel a sense of deep spirituality. I feel like uh, Moses, I'm, I should take off my shoes. I'm on holy ground here, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's really a, a, a prayerful uh, connecting that, that is uh, beyond our creation and beyond our egos, and it, it has a resonance. There's a resonance, and it's a, it's such a rewarding experience so to be able to find that resonance. And I think um, uh, that that's what we're looking for is a, is a resonance that allows us to embody our hearts in love. And as we do that, we become part of the, the love of life, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And resonance is a, such a beautiful term because it's about resonating with somebody else, and it's also yeah. about the experience of resonating, which is a very physical experience, and of course yeah. emotional. And one of the one person that taught me was a person who came to me, a therapist who was a bioenergetic therapist, and said, "I'd like to have have therapy with you, Bob, but I don't want you to use bioenergetics." And I said, oh. And uh, she had been studying object relations, um, and she knew that she needed a particular experience of self uh, that bioenergetics wasn't providing. So I began reading a lot and at her suggestions and so on, and I said, well, I don't know if I can do this. I mean, I've read about it. I, I'm not an object relations therapist or a self-psychologist. And she said, well, I think you do bioenergetics from that perspective anyway. Let, let's, let's give it a try. <laughs> and so we did. But there's one particular day she came in, and she was very depressed. And from a bioenergetic perspective, I, I knew what to do. I mean, uh, to have her reach to me, to make contact with me, to express the sadness or the anger. But any of these suggestions seemed like her intrusive mother, you know, was trying to change her or make her be different in some way. So finally, I I said to her, I said, uh, it seems to me that what you're asking me to do is to sit here and watch you drown. And she said, yes, can you do that? And I said, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And I 
put my head down for a moment, and inside I said to myself, Bob, you've got to stay here with her now. But inside, I realized that my bioenergetics was using, like, techniques to cover up my own feelings of inadequacy and feelings of the fear of just being present and resonating with this other person. It was a protection for me. Um, and, and I just had some quiet tears for a moment, and um, I realized how little I valued myself as a healing agent, uh, just as just as bomb. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I slowly lifted my head, and I looked over, and she was smiling, and the depressive expression was gone, and she reached out to make contact with me. And you, because you had been so intensely present. <laughs> exactly, Serge. And, 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 I, and she said, you've given me the greatest gift of all. And I said, well, what was that? She said, I know how committed you are to bioenergetics. I know how important this is in your life. And you were able, you were willing to give that up. Yeah. At this moment, you know, to make a connection. So this is where the healing comes. So I like the phrase, techniques are what we use until the therapist shows up. <laughs> <laughs> so that feels like a beautiful place to, to end this conversation. Okay. Thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Yeah. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com. Out to make contact with me. And you, because you had been so intensely present. <laughs> exactly, Serge. And, 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 I, and she said, you've given me the greatest gift of all. And I said, well, what was that? She said, I know how committed you are to bioenergetics. I know how important this is in your life. And you were able, you were willing to give that up yeah. at this moment, you know, to make a connection. So this is where the healing comes. So I like the phrase, techniques are what we use until the therapist shows up. <laughs> <laughs> so that feels like a beautiful place to, to end this conversation. Okay. Thanks, Bob. You're welcome. Yeah. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.